Welcome to From the Great Room, a podcast of Compass Church. In this episode, Molly talks with Jeremiah Janney about his experiences living and serving in Ukraine five years ago, what he's hearing from friends who are there now, and how we can pray for our brothers and sisters in this time of crisis. For more information, check out compasscfc.com. Hey everybody, this is Molly, and I have with me Jeremiah Janney. Some people call you Jerry. Some do, yeah. Actually, a lot of people do. Really? What do you prefer to go by? Neither. I'm fine with all of them. I, oh. I don't prefer either. Oh, okay. That's what I meant by that. I was like, oh Sorry. man, there's a third option. My bad, no. no. <laughs> don't, don't call, call me Mr. Janney. Don't call me anything. Yes. <laughs> Just yes. say hey you. Hey you. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast. Um, Thank you. Today, you are here and we're having this conversation because you have roots uh, in the Ukraine, and anybody who hasn't been living under a rock knows that things are happening in the Ukraine right now. So true. Yeah, we laugh because it's better to laugh sometimes. Cry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Jeremiah, Jerry, Mr. Jenny, um, tell me, tell me how you're connected to Ukraine because you you don't. I mean, you're I'm actually not Ukrainian. No, no you no. are a. Are you a Kansan? No, I'm I'm Iowan. Okay. My mom's Swedish. So okay, you know, well, maybe I'm sort of moving that direction, but uh, perhaps. yeah. <laughs> no, no. Tell me about your correction, your connection to the Ukraine. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess my connection to Ukraine really started in my junior year of college. Um, I had some friends who had been with me at the Navigator Summer Training Program in Jacksonville. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I am the campus director for the Navigators here at Mizzou, uh, but I got connected to the Navigators when I was in college. Um, So I had some friends uh, who had been with me in uh, Jacksonville for a summer training program in 2012. Okay. My wife might correct me on that, so (laughs) don't don't take my word completely for that. Um, uh, But these friends were a bit older. They were leaving to go to Ukraine in 2014. Hmm. Um, So uh, about a week after they arrived, uh, that's when, I, I don't know if anybody knows about this, but the Maidan Revolution began a week after they arrived. The Maidan Revolution? Yeah. So in 2014, there was a, a revolution, a, a, a different revolution that okay. happened in Ukraine uh, as a result of some things. You can look it up. If you want to know a ton about this, mm-hmm. watch the Netflix documentary, Winter on Fire. Okay. Uh, it will tell you everything you need to know about this Okay. Uh, whole history of things. But the bottom line is that this team arrived in Ukraine. A week later, this Maidan revolution starts. And, you know, they're just living their lives. They're doing normal things. They're trying to figure out what does it look like to live in a new culture, a new new language, all these things. Uh, And they start doing an English club, partnering with uh, Crusade. Okay. And uh, as they're doing this English club, they start asking people, so what's what's life like right now? What are you doing? And they start hearing from people, oh, yeah, I was just down at Maidan. We were making Molotov cocktails today. Oh, you know, just a, like a normal, no big deal. normal experience that these college students have okay. is, oh yeah, we're going down, we're starting Maltop, we're making Maltop cocktails. Uh, and then a few months later, uh, uh, Crimea was invaded by Russia uh-huh. and annexed. Uh, and then uh, things happened in the Nevsk and Luhansk and it's political to say anything on that. Mm. Um, so I started hearing about these things that are happening in the Nevsk and Luhansk and I'm like, Guys, how are you doing in Ukraine? Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of the start of my journey toward Ukraine. Mm. Um, and then I uh, 
as I was graduating from college, uh, thinking about what God might be calling me toward, he very clearly directed me toward doing the same program that those friends had done. Mm. Uh, and uh, ultimately, I got put on a team to go to Ukraine. Wow. So I lived there for two years. It was a really safe place to live. It felt safe. Mm-hmm. My my parents uh, came for a couple of weeks at mm-hmm. one point. And my dad, like even this last weekend when he was here, we were chatting about things. He was like, I felt safer in Ukraine than I felt when we went to visit Paris, France. Mm. Uh, nobody with guns walking around the streets. Yeah. Uh, no worries about like, oh, could, there could be a bombing or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just a really safe place to be. Mm-hmm. Just so. business as usual. Business as usual. No one really bothers one another too yeah. much. Yeah. Very silent culture. Very silent. Yeah. So they just kind of, they don't talk about yeah. with, things or... With, with with random other people that would be on the street, you never uh, interact with another person. Oh. That's, that's probably the way that uh, I felt most American. Uh-huh. Uh, the, first, the first time that I... Uh, went walking around uh, the city of Kiev with some friends again after an English club. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were walking around and just looking at various things. I'd ask about stuff. They would have no idea what it actually is. Because <laughs> when you live in a place, the things aren't interesting to, right. to, right. <laughs> to you. Um, but I, I remember I was smiling about like learning about all these things. And one of the friends we were walking with was like, why are you smiling all the time? <laughs> No, I'm just happy. (laughs) I'm very confused by why you're happy. I just am happy to be getting to know the place that I'm living in. I don't get it. Why would you be happy about this place? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a really funny interaction. Uh, I learned later that if you're smiling with no reason, it's considered foolish. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've learned how to put on a straight face just... Mm-hmm. instantaneously I've kind of lost that in the last few years but, uh, yeah you learn pretty quick that like you walk around just no smile no expression on your face hmm. if you need something from someone you say it mm-hmm. uh, if you're emotional about anything you you express it hmm. uh, so it's a very direct culture okay. uh, things that are going on inside of me uh-huh. are reflected in the in how I interact with the world around me no face put on, um, especially when you're with your close friends. Hmm. So I like to think about friendships like concentric circles. Hmm. Um, so uh, for an American, we, we might have like four or five pretty close friends. They know at least the majority of the things that have happened in my life, the majority sure. of who I am. They can kind of tell who I am a little bit by like the way that I relate with others. So like four or five, roughly sure. something like sure, that. Sure. Um, then, uh, then outside of that circle, you have like people that we would still call friends. Sure. Uh, you might have like 30 to 40 of those people in your life. Most of the time, if you're an American, like I have 30, 40 people who I'd like say, oh yeah, this is my friend. I even introduce people as like my friends. I don't, I can't think of an example because, yeah. <laughs> but this is my friend, Joe. Mm-hmm. I've met him like twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we had a short conversation. Now he's my friend. So uh, someone who's just beyond an acquaintance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we have acquaintances way beyond that. Yeah. For Ukrainian, uh, at least in general, what my perception was, you have three to four close friends. Mm-hmm. These are people who have grown up with you. 
uh, like you're from the same neighborhood if you grew up in Kiev, you're from the same village if you grew up out in the village. And those people never change. Oh, wow. They're, they're the same people basically your entire life. They know everything about you. You might hate things about them, but they're mm. still your friend. Mm. There are no friends outside of that group. You don't call anybody a friend when they're outside of that group. They're, wow. they're more of like an acquaintance. Okay. So you have like the 20 to 30, maybe people who are like, this is not called me. They're, they're people that I have met before. Mm-hmm. We've had conversations. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. how do you do ministry where like the way in is, is building relational bridges with people yeah. who are like, yeah, you're definitely not more born in my village. Yeah. Like, dude, you're from <laughs> so Iowa true. and you're smiling. Like what? Yeah. What? I, I don't trust you because you're smiling. <laughs> right. You right. Must be foolish. Um, yeah. To build relationships. It, it's just a long, slow mm. slog mm-hmm. of feeling very lonely. Mm. Lots of the time. And having like the necessity of remembering why you have gone to another country. Hmm. I've been called there by God to bring the good news of Jesus to people who would might not hear it aside from me talking to them. The necessity of remembering that is why I'm there. Yeah. And my comfort, my security, my, um, my my relational context is all centered around I am known and loved by my Savior mm. is necessary. Now, did I remember that all the time? Absolutely. <laughs> That's when you hit like second, third degrees of culture shock where yeah. <laughs> I'm walking to a language class in the middle of winter and it's slushy outside and a car comes by and just gets the entire bottom half of my body wet full of water and you're like i'm not going to class today i'm going home we're just gonna start again tomorrow (laughs) oh that's good that's good yeah i'm not sure that actually ever happened to me but it did happen to my boss so yeah that's okay yeah. So tell me about like the religious context of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I mean, are we talking Orthodox? Are we talking Roman Catholic? Are we talking no like atheists? Like what? Yeah. What's what's the culture there? It feels like the temperature's cold. It is very cold, both um, relationally and actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, Ukraine is predominantly Orthodox. Hmm. Uh, Random fact I learned even before I left to go to Ukraine was that Ukraine is the only uh, post-Soviet country, or it's the only country that was in the Soviet Union that was Uh allowed to keep religion. Oh, Um, curious. So instead of it being uh, squashed, Mm -hmm. there was just a a lot of restriction put on it as far as like what you could say Mm -hmm. um, as a priest. Um, So so most people are Orthodox. That doesn't mean that most people necessarily believe in Jesus. And, and, you know, when I when I say that, that's not to say that within orthodoxy, there aren't people who believe in Jesus. Sure. Like, that definitely was true. We met a, a, a gal at one point who um, was very deeply involved in her orthodox church. Mm. And her priest had a vested interest in teaching young people how to bring the good news of Jesus to others. Oh, beautiful. I, I was like, oh man, this is discipleship in, a, in an Orthodox church. I, I like, I rarely see that in a lot of yeah. churches that I know in America. Sure, sure. Uh, and yet, like this priest was really deeply involved there. Um, 
So there's pockets. Yeah. There's pockets of faith. There's pockets there's, of faith. There's a religious um, exterior. I mean, do they do they come across as religious? Is it a cultural religion? Is it just sort of a? It's there's definitely some cultural religion uh-huh. involved. Uh, so one example is like on Easter every year, which is a different time than Easter is here. Right. Uh, different calendars and fun things that go with <laughs> that. Um, but uh, every Easter, you you make a basket. And you and you get in a line. This is even true, like out in the village. Like we drove by this type of thing. Uh, so you you form a line outside of the the doors of the church, and you've put your food in there, mm. like everything that you're going to eat on Easter Day. Okay. So you've got your uh, like raisin cakes, mm. uh, which is actually a thing. It's not just in the Bible. Like they're raisin cakes. Okay. They're, about, they're maybe about six inches tall. Okay. Uh, real, it's like a cylinder. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a small right. cylinder that's maybe, I don't know, two and a half inches in radius. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Uh, you, you've put like your meat in there, if, if you have any. You've put your, your breads. And then you've also put like three or four bottles of vodka. Oh. Uh, and you go to the priest, and the priest throws some holy water on it, and your, your meal, and therefore your drinking, and you're getting drunk later in the day, is all blessed. It's all blessed. Oh, yeah. So good. You can go get drunk blessed. It's great. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so, like, religion is very, very important to the average Ukrainian. Hmm. Uh, but at the college level, uh, most of the Ukrainians that we interacted with, and, and granted that we, we generally interacted with the lost, uh, we didn't get a lot of time around believers. Okay. Uh, we tended to say, hey, crew, you're all Ukrainian now, uh, Ukrainian staff here. You know the language. You know mm-hmm. the culture. You take your Ukrainian students who want to go with Jesus fast, and mm-hmm. you, you train them. Mm-hmm. We'll take the ones who are really only interested in coming around because of English club. Okay. They want yeah. to learn English from us. Yeah. We'd love to interact with them, teach them English really well, mm-hmm. but then also present the good news of Jesus to them mm-hmm. time and time again. Yeah. Uh, so most of those students would say, tend to say things like, you know, I think religion might be important. I don't really believe it right now. Maybe I'll start looking into it when I'm like 60. Hmm. Which okay. sounds really familiar to us yeah. in some ways, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's there are a lot of people who are unchurched right now, but they're not anti-church. They think at some point they'll probably attend a church. But yeah, not maybe not in my 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe when I'm... Yeah. You know, 40, 50. I'm starting to think about death a little bit more. Maybe it's yeah. important then. Yeah. Hmm. But, yeah. So that that's kind of who we interact with. That's what religion is sort of like. Yeah. Uh, when you start talking about, like, evangelical churches mm-hmm. in Ukraine, there there's a lot of barriers to overcome. Hmm. So in 91, when uh, the, the USSR fell apart, uh, there was something called the Gospel Coalition. Okay. Uh, it... It, and that, that's not like the Gospel Coalition that we know of today that website. publishes. Yeah, okay, something different. Yeah, yeah. Um, where a, a bunch of evangelical organizations, Navigators was one of these, um, got together and said, hey, we got to send people to this yeah. place now. Yeah, opportunity. Uh, Let's go. We, we really don't care who they are. We just got to mm. send them. Um, and, you know, that, was, that led to a lot of really good things. Mm. It was great. Like, uh, lots of people came to know Christ. Uh, there's a lot of churches that were started in Russia as a result. Mm. Um, but then there were some wolves among the sheep. Mm. Uh, there were some who went in and said, hey, give us your money. 
and so a lot of a lot of Ukrainians ended up giving their life savings to people who just wanted to steal it. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, they, there were rumors that then started to get spread. You know, mm-hmm. most of the time when something like that happens, you you end up really vilifying the people. Sure. Who, sure, and, sure and especially sure. along like a title. Mm-hmm. So like if you're Baptist in Ukraine, that means uh, one, you want my money. Two, you probably actually drink blood. Oh. Uh, when you are doing communion. Communion. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So, like, the, there's a couple of, like, really strong things. So, to say, like, I'm a believer uh-huh. in Ukraine is, like, you're weird then. And I don't know if I can trust you mm. at all. So, there's a lot to get over. Yeah. Uh, when you start thinking about anything that's not orthodoxy. Mm. Um yeah, the Catholic Church has had a little bit less of that, but uh, especially Protestantism is. Mm-hmm. So the people yeah. are wary of evangelical influence, mm-hmm. um, and how do they? How, what was your sense of how they felt towards the West? Uh, yeah, the feelings of Ukrainians toward the West are really complicated. Yeah. Uh, again, back to ninety one. Uh, or it might be ninety four. I'd have to I'd have to look that up again. Uh, Ukraine was asked to give up its nuclear arsenal. So overnight, uh, when the USSR fell, Ukraine went from being just the satellite state of Russia mm-hmm. to being the fourth most powerful nuclear arsenal on the planet. Wow. Chernobyl had happened just a few years earlier. That's on Ukrainian soil. Okay. And so the perception from the West and and you know propagated by Russia was that Ukraine does not know how to handle nuclear power, Mm. nuclear arsenal. These disasters could happen constantly. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Ukraine was, to a degree, forced to give up its only real deterrent Mm -hmm. to Russia taking over. And does it share, and this is showing my American-ism, but does it share a land border with Russia then? Massive land Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Russia is just to the east of Ukraine. Yeah, if you think of the size of Ukraine, Ukraine is about the size of Texas, mm. and it's about the feel of Iowa. The feel of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Okay. So flat lands, okay. lots of fields of like wheat that are there. Uh-huh. Actually, most of the wheat that we grow in America is uh-huh. Russian red wheat brought over to America by uh, I learned this from Jenny. I I, I think this is true. So. <laughs> fact. Check. Fact, fact check me. If, if there's any comments on this that I'm wrong, <laughs> I sent it know. to you. Absolutely. Uh, but most of our, our wheat comes from like Mennonite peoples who were running away from wars. Wow. Like, yeah. You know, there, there were a lot of wars happening in the 1800s mm-hmm. in Europe. So they kept moving. Very pacifist people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, the box that brought wheat to America, because wheat is not native to America. Mm-hmm. The box that brought wheat to America is in Hillsborough, Kansas. No way. Yeah, that's where Jenny is from, roughly. She's from Lehigh, but... (laughs) Like, most of the bread we eat in America comes from Russian red wheat. That is wild. (laughs) It's insane. You're listening for Ukrainian facts, but here you have a little tidbit of the the Kansas-Russia relationship. It's amazing, Who knew it was a thing? (laughs) You never know what you'll find out. Seriously. Anton and I met... At a uh, a camp. Uh, don't think though, like you know, Windermere camp. Okay. Uh, think 
you've gone out into the wilderness of the Ozarks, uh, walked off a road for about, I don't know, 200 yards, and there's just tents. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. So it's more of a camping camp experience. Camping camp. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's an organization called Free, F F R I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, free camps. I, I don't know. It, okay. It was weird. It's called like a leadership thing. We met in the in. It, so, I was asked to go to this thing. I had no idea what I was getting into. I was supposed to bring a plate, a fork my own sleeping arrangements. I had no idea that I was supposed to bring any of that, so I brought a sleeping bag. <laughs> All right. Um, and it, it wasn't like, you know, cold cuts and uh, uh, things that you can eat just with your hands. This was like, we're making soup. Okay. Not, not great for using your hands. Like, they're boiling this soup in a massive, like, 50-gallon pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody with this. Ladling it out. Ladling and it and out. Jeremiah just walks in the line with his mouth open. <laughs> you go. Burn it into my mouth. I burn my face. <laughs> burn my face off, please. Oh, gosh. Um, so this guy, Anton, was the was one of the few people who like really helped me at that camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of them were very friendly, very kind, but he like immediately hopped into, oh, I have an extra plate you can borrow. Mm. Uh, I have an extra spoon. I actually have had that spoon in my backpack since then. (laughs) Really? Yeah, it's weird. Have you Uh, washed it? uh, I mean, it's a plastic (laughs) spoon. I don't ever plan to use it again. Oh, (laughs) wow. But it just, it has meaning. It has meaning. It actually snapped in half at one point, uh, but it still exists. Um, So Anton shares this stuff with me Mm. uh, and cared for me Mm -hmm. as the foreigner at this camp. so o- over the months that followed that, we became friends. Hmm. Uh, re- relationships work a little bit differently. You know, we talked about that a little yeah. bit. Uh, like where we might see our friends on a weekly basis. Uh, lots of Ukrainians see their friends on an every few months basis. And then they spend like eight to nine hours together. Oh, wow. Like I get tired sometimes after spending an hour to two hours with somebody. Mm-hmm. Same. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, they spend eight hours with you. So, like, he would come over to Nathan. Nathan was my roommate. Mm-hmm. Nathan in my apartment. And would spend eight hours with us. Just, it, like, it would come to be lunchtime. And I'd be like, so it's about lunchtime. Oh, yeah. What are we having? That's uh, not what was in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we have this stuff. So we make food. And uh-huh. Sit there chatting again for another four or five hours. Well, man, it's about dinner time. Uh Oh, yeah, what are we having for dinner? Again, not what I had in my brain. <laughs> but cool. Yeah, you can stick around for dinner, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, Anton and I became really close. He was not a believer uh, when we first started hanging out. Uh, he, he was orthodox, strongly okay. orthodox. Uh, like, like a Religion pra- was important. Okay, practicing... Yeah, uh, but when you talk about Jesus with him, he's like, I don't know why that's important. Mm. Um, so uh, we spent a long time talking about the goodness of God and mm. trusting him in the middle of horrible situations. Because mm-hmm. Ukraine is, has been in the middle of a horrible situation long before this last week. Yeah. Um, so we, we talked about that for, you know, eight hours. 
And then didn't see him again for a little while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Came back and spent another eight hours with us a couple months later. And every time we met, it kept being like, oh, man, you're right there. You're so uh-huh. close to, like, yeah, Jesus, I trust you. Mm. Um, and eventually he did come to know Jesus the mm. next year. So yeah. And pretty much every day since this invasion of Russia, we've been on the phone together. Okay. Um, a couple of times those calls have been interrupted by explosions. Mm. happening in the background where he's like hold on i need to check and see what just happened like what's what's going on around me mm-hmm. so he's been asking people like hey if, if things happen we're gonna need help to get out of here yeah would you give us a ride uh th- so three different neighbors uh, have said yes and then over the last week uh one by one it was actually over the period of like two days mm. They each left and didn't tell them that they were leaving. Okay. Um, so Anton is stuck. Yeah. The front line was about five kilometers or so, two, three, three to five miles mm-hmm. from his apartment. Mm-hmm. He was regularly hearing shelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how do we pray? I mean, we're here in the United States. Yeah. Our biggest concern, practically speaking, is, you know, the cost of fuel is going to go up or something. You know, like yeah. our, our, you know, we're like, Which oh, will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like our level, already. our level of suffering, you know, <laughs> I mean, but we, we feel, we feel it here. But, you know, when we see the images and hear the stories, you know, our hearts break for people on both sides of this conflict mm-hmm. oh, um, and for the evil and the atrocities that are being done and. Um, so how, how would you say, how, how can we pray for the people of Ukraine and, and for the people of Russia too? Need to be praying in a very real way that equipment would break down, Hmm. that, uh, weapons of war would be ineffective, Hmm. that soldiers would become so exhausted that they can't continue to fight. Another way I've got a friend who posted this. Uh, yesterday, this is about like family mm-hmm. in the middle of all this stuff that's happening. She is in Kiev. I actually helped her, helped her and her husband move into this apartment. Mm. She says what it's like to live in war. That's when you suddenly stopped being afraid of death and uh, painting terrible pictures of yourself and instead started thinking about how to survive. This is when your children sleep at night in the bathroom because yes, mom is calmer and mom, mom can't choose to this is a horrible translation actually. uh and and mom can't choose to sleep in the in the bathroom or, or or the hallway and not because mom is scared to die but because someone has to feed their kids in the morning mm-hmm. and pretend it's the new normal to wake up in the bathroom we need to be praying for some of this trauma that kids are experiencing that it would you know some degree that it would go over their heads that that parents yeah. would be calm and know what the next step is. Sure. I think that with with all this big picture stuff happening, the most important thing for us to be praying for is the next step. Mm. The next clear step of faith to take, not knowing what the big picture is with that. Yeah. But just one step forward. Yeah. Um, and to know the good that we ought to do and do it. Yeah. Um, something that we've been praying for that like me the the team that has been in ukraine and uh, a number of people that are connected there we've been praying that um believers in ukraine would be generous with mm. the supplies that they do have mm-hmm. which isn't much but that they would be generous with it 
that they would, you know, give freely, even if there are Russian soldiers coming toward them. They yeah. would give to the Russian soldiers and that that would prove to those soldiers what we're doing here is wrong. Mm. And they would turn around and leave. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really just praying for provisions. Yeah. And that, like, water, food, electricity, internet. Yeah. It's still up. Yeah. Wow. Like, even, even like, Musk's internet stuff has not yet, like, gotten up and running in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yet the internet is still active. Yeah, and that's a lifeline to the world outside. Yeah. 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 So, you know, just praying for real needs. Yeah. So I hear you saying pray for... Um, Pray for provisions. Yep. Um, pray for protection. Yes. Um, pray for the Christians to be generous, and and pray that the the plans for evil would be thwarted. Absolutely. And w- on whatever border, whatever tribe, you know that. Yeah. That there's not, you know, the the political aspect of it is hard because there are forces of evil at work. Yeah. Um, and there are. I mean, and real evil is happening, and we we hate that, and we long for peace and wholeness. And yeah. so, I think any time that there is humans killing other humans or doing anything that they can to destroy the other, yeah. that, that is not God's design. No, no, absolutely. And he, even in you know saying that, like uh, you know, praying that Ukrainian soldiers would be strong to be able to defend and yeah. Uh, that this you know sixty kilometer long convoy of Russian tanks that's coming into Ukraine would be destroyed. Mm-hmm. I like I am praying for that. Mm. But anytime that that sort of thing happens, it, it it's not God's design. Right. Yeah. And I heard today on the news a, a death death toll for the Russian soldiers, and you know it it's, it's insanely high. It grieves our hearts. Yeah. It grieves our hearts because yeah. these are image bearers, and yeah, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And so, I mean, we're so far away, and yet um, we can lean into the tension, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is, I mean, as you were sharing with me earlier, just your mind has been consumed yeah. with care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I probably fear and anger get mixed into the bag, too. They get thrown in there. I've actually been praying against hatred of yeah. Russians and against hatred of Putin. Yeah. Even. And, and He's we, an image bearer. As yeah. evil as he is, he, he does yeah. bear the image of God. He does. And and the cross of Christ is sufficient Absolutely. for the worst of sinners. So true. Um, you know, as and yet, which, in the middle of that, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, yeah. uh, German pastor, was involved in the assassination attempt on Hitler. Right. <laughs> can we, can <laughs> we get tension there? Is there an ethicist in the room, please? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, but no, and and that's that's important too. As we think about, yeah. um, my sister teaches at a school outside of Paris, and mm-hmm. they're expecting some Russian students in. And you know, yeah. how are they going to be mm-hmm. received? And and how do um, Russian students here at Mizzou? You know, what what's yeah. going to be the perception? And we live in such a polarized space that just as you were saying, oh, you know, Lord, may the Ukrainian Christians be generous. Mm-hmm. May all Christians be generous. Absolutely. That we see each other not by our political affiliation or our national identity or you voted for who, but like, oh, image bear. Yeah. Oh, image bear. Image bear. Man, I think about the, the words of Jesus that if you love those who love you, what good is that? How's that different mm-hmm. from anybody else? Yeah. But love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. 
Mm. How much more real is that right now? Well, Jeremiah, any last thoughts, anything you want to share before we close our time here together? Hmm. Yeah, I've been reading in James. Our, our ministry at Mizzou is uh, reading through James as a Bible study right now. You know, what I was saying earlier about taking just one step forward in faith, mm-hmm. uh, I really think that that is the call to the believer right now, mm-hmm. that our faith would be put into action, that we would have no little care for our own life mm-hmm. um, and much care for eternity. There's a song I've been really loving recently. It's called Christ Be Magnified. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bridge goes, I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. If you put me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. Yep. I won't be formed by feelings. Mm-hmm. I'll hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. Let Jesus live through me mm-hmm. by my actions to care for my fellow human. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, thanks, Molly. Jeremiah, thank you so much. Um, we will be continuing in prayer uh, for our world, for the people of yeah. Ukraine, for Russia, um, and that the Lord would bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. All right. Thanks.